You're listening to the Better Health Podcast with April, a platform dedicated to coaching women in areas of health, lifestyle, and legacy by speaking with leading health and wealth experts and with the goal to inspire women to thrive in their lives today and in the future. Now, on to today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Better Health. I am here with Elizabeth Gunner, who is absolutely amazing. She is a registered dietitian and she's gonna be speaking on all things with healthy mindsets with food. And this is something that I can really relate to. And I'm sure there are many others that I don't even know about that probably experience the same thing. So this is gonna be a great topic. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Of course, it's gonna be awesome. So the first question I always like to warm up to is where are you from and what was your childhood and family like in regards to health? Ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) I actually have not been asked that. Um, So yeah, I'm from Rochester, well, south of Rochester, New York, actually Livonia. So it's an upstate New York. It's like way upstate, like two hours from Toronto. So (laughs) amazing. (laughs) Up there, yeah. Western New York area is where I grew up. And then Yeah, my family life when it came to health was interesting. So my mom is like pescatarian-esque. I mean, she flips from like vegetarian, like full-on vegetarian to pescatarian and very health-oriented. And then my dad is like a meat and potatoes type of guy, like very different. So I grew up sort of with this stark contrast of like health and wellness for my mom, but then, you know, my dad being like very different, um, which was nice, I think, in a way, almost because like, well, we'll get into later today, but it sort of gave me an okay mindset when it came to like foods. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, but it was really interesting because I, I, I didn't think anything of it until I got older and I looked back on that and I was like, whoa, like, I, I don't know if many people experience similar things um, with their families just being so, their parents being so different in the way that they choose to eat. Um, but yeah, so that's so interesting. That's a very different dynamic. You know, I feel like most parents you encounter are on the same page and they eat the same stuff pretty much. And to have one parent that is pretty diverse when it comes to like their dietary needs or what they're trying to accomplish that way. And then to have someone that's just very like, you know, the classic, classic diet there that would have been very interesting. How was that growing up? Was like it very smooth in regards to like making meals and what that looked like? So I had a unique childhood in a sense. So I, my dad and my mom worked a lot. So, I mean, they weren't really around that often. We did have a babysitter. And so we cooked with her a lot. Um, so even though my parents both had these like dietary regimens, we really didn't eat together that often or cook together at all. Um, so it was more cooking with her, which was very traditional. Um, but everything was made from scratch. Like we, we cooked together. It was like a huge like thing. I don't know, every night, we peel potatoes together and mash them and look up ingredients. And it was like, she got us very involved in the whole cooking process and then eating. So I think it was really helpful actually for my sister and I um, to be involved in something like that, because otherwise 
when we left the babysitter's house when I was in fifth grade, it was us cooking on our own. Mm. And that was interesting experience because even though we had been cooking before, it was like so different doing it by yourself. And so it was a hamburger helper and like uh, the easy rice mixes that like didn't take much effort just because we didn't really know what we were doing. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But as it progressed, we got better and better. And my sister actually today is a really good cook. She loves cooking. So so cool. I, that's amazing. That's neat that, you know, you gain the skills over time at least, and that you had that influence. Um, and then what specifically got you into health and what you are doing today? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, I, I think it's multifaceted. I think that I got into health and well-being because of, my own selfish wants and desires um, because I wanted to learn more about nutrition for myself um, and I wanted to learn more about what was happening inside my body and I just got sort of interested in that. Um, On top of that, I did athletics and um, did a lot of performance type stuff growing up. So whether it was like a theater or I ran track all throughout high school, And I would be told by my coaches and stuff like eat a banana for cramps and do this for carb load before meats. So it sort of got my mind turning. And then I think on top of having my mom's influence with her health and wellness mindset, I think all of that in combination, when I got to school, I was like, okay, let me try this like science bio type stuff. And I was in a plant bio class and my professor was like, Hey, you're really good at like plant nutrition stuff. Um, do you want to like start researching with me? All this stuff. So I started doing research and then I took an intro to nutrition class with a dietitian who taught it and um, she became my advisor at the school. And then, yeah, it just sort of went on from there. And I, I actually ended up transferring from that school to the school that I graduated from, which was Cornell university in Ithaca, New York. And, um, then I just delve into nutrition through that. So it was really interesting, but I I would say that my like interest within nutrition has changed from, okay, I want to be, be healthy. And I want to learn all about like the health aspects to more now it's changed more towards like global health, like sustainable food systems, but then also like mindset and uh, mental health and those types of like areas of health and well-being. And I don't know why that is, but just shifted. That's so cool. And I, I love that you have progressed in a way because, you know, not, it's not like very common to like have one set thing and be like, this is it. And you, yeah. you run with it, you know, it we're moldable people and, you know, we change a lot and we start to realize things the di- like the deeper we end up diving. Um, and so you didn't end up having any like health crises in your life or experiences, or did you not have the best mindset when it came to health and food? So tell us a little bit about your personal life when it comes to what you're now doing. Yeah. So I would say that in high school, when I was on the track team and I was hanging out with my friends and stuff, we did definitely engage in diet culture and yo-yo dieting and things like that. I remember that they so my friends like tracked their calories and then they were like, Oh, Liz, you should like get this app and track your calories and this and that. So I definitely do remember getting into like diet culture esque stuff when I was younger. And then when I got into college, it sort of plateaued. Like I sort of stopped doing all of that maybe because I wasn't around that environment any longer, but 
Um, also, I didn't know anybody at my college. So I was like, you know, it was just different. And I got a different friend group and um, it was a very like nerdy friend group. We like went to the library and studied a lot together and read all these books and studies. So yeah. fun though. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, I think that that did change my mindset and changed it in a worse way, more of like a diet culture-esque way um, where I looked at food and my relationship with food differently and probably not as healthy as it should have been. And then when I got into um, college, I started dealing with like really bad panic attacks and just like a lot of anxiety. And that sort of came to like my food too. Like I would get anxiety around that. Um, so it was just sort of not a really good place to be in. And I recognized that. Yeah. And so that sort of started my journey of like, okay, I have this self-awareness that maybe these thoughts aren't the healthiest and they're not serving me correctly. So like, how can I change them? Yeah. So I sort of went into this path of like, okay, what, what can we do with our minds? Like, how can I change my thoughts so that, so that they serve me and they're healthier for me? Mm -hmm. um, and like, what does that look like? And so that sort of went down the rabbit hole of like intuitive eating and those types of things. Um, I did a rotation during my dietetic internship with Alyssa Runzi. She's like an intuitive eating guru here in New York City. So that definitely taught me a lot. And a lot of my friends are dietitians that are in intuitive eating spaces. So I think that that really helps with um, just clarifying like what thoughts are serving you and what thoughts are not and really got me interested in like the mental health aspect of our relationships with food and like how you can have that be nourishing to you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of, it sort of was convoluted and maybe <laughs> a lot of different things led to it, but yeah, I definitely struggled with not having good thoughts in the past. And I think that's really what triggered me, or I guess like leveraged me into what I do now. Right. Which is amazing. And it's really neat that you're taking your own experiences with that. And now you have a desire to help people as well. And so could you just, for anyone that's listening, that doesn't know who you are, what you are specifically doing to help others um, when it comes to, you know, mindsets, I've heard intuitive eating. So give a little snapshot about what you do. Yeah. So right now I do a few things. So I am a registered dietitian. So I work clinically right now as a clinical care manager um, at a long-term care facility with like end of life and elderly patients. So what that often looks like is different per patient, but we do talk about mental health and well-being because a lot of them are struggling with like depression, um, generalized anxiety disorder, and just different mental health diagnoses that can influence their nutrition. So oftentimes I am talking to them about that type of stuff and referring them to psych and, you know, referring them to counseling and stuff like that, because they they're there for a while. They're not like in and out of the hospital. They're like living at this, this place sometimes. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I do during my day job. And then my side thing, I guess you could say is, um, I do a lot of media nutrition actually. So like new segments or, um, different writing ventures and things like that. But I focus more on like mental health and mindset, um, and how you can sort of change and shift your mindset to better serve you. So, yeah. And then I also dabble in like sustainability and like I said, sustainable infrastructure and global health stuff. So mm -hmm. 
I'm sort of trying to clarify right now, like an exact, okay, like I want to hone in on this thing, mm-hmm. but I think these are like general things that I'm like interested in. And I'm hoping that with time, things will sort of clarify themselves and um, I can go down like with one little patch and niche. That's, that's amazing. I, I love that you share that too. And I know you will find that like exact pinpointed topic that you want to address. And for the meantime, like just sharing your knowledge of what you do know is so valuable as well. And so I would just love to know, you know, what is a healthy mindset and could you also define like what an unhealthy mindset is? Because there's probably so many people that think they have a healthy mindset, but, you know, restricting themselves from certain foods because, Oh, like I can't eat that because of what I ate earlier that might, you know, you might think that's healthy, but it might not be. So could you define those two aspects? So healthy to unhealthy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I get a lot of patients and clients coming into me saying, okay, especially on Instagram, uh, through my like, Instagram DMs or whatever, people coming to me saying, okay, like I've been eating this, 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 and I'll list off like all these like air quotes, clean foods. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, I tripped up on donuts or whatever. And now I feel so bad about myself or how can I um, detox myself and drink green juices and all this stuff. So, I mean, it's, it is sort of tricky, but I like to simplify it into one example that I always give, which is eating a salad. And I actually just gave this in an interview um, that I did with this open fit it's called. Um, but yeah, this is the example that I always give because I feel like it really helps to just clarify like, okay, this is, this makes sense now. Yeah. So if you're going to eat a salad, let's say this is just an example and it could be ice cream, it could be a burger, it could be anything, but I just give salad as an example. Yeah. Um, and let's say that you're sitting down and you're going to eat the salad and your thoughts are, I hate myself, so I'm eating this salad. Like, mm-hmm. I want to lose weight because I'm eating this, so I'm eating this salad. Like, and it's just coming from this place of just like negativity and like fear and lack. And it's just like a low vibe and a low energetically place right. to come from. Yeah. If that makes and totally yeah and so that's that's one way to go about eating it or you can come from another place which I'm not saying it's easy and it definitely takes time and practice but you can switch your mind to come from another place to be like okay I'm eating this salad because I want to nourish myself because I love myself because this is what feels intuitive to my body at this moment Mm um you know like those types of things are just it's you're coming from a higher vibration and like a more positive and more abundant mindset, mm-hmm. which in my, in the practice that I've done, I've seen just more sustainable change with that mindset. Like instead of going on a diet because you hate yourself, yeah. why don't you engage in healthy lifestyle things or activities because you love yourself and mm-hmm. let yourself have ice cream with your friends because you love yourself and, you know, go exercise because you love yourself or rest because you love yourself. Like, it's just, if you really are able to get to this positive mindset and this place where you are doing things out of love and abundance instead of fear and lack, then I think that you're more, susta- like your lifestyle changes are more sustainable. Um, they're funner. Um, you know, like there, it's just, it's overall better for somebody who's, who's looking for a long-term change, not just like a quick fix or a short-term like diet, um, yeah. like a yo-yo diet of some sort. 
Definitely. And it, and it comes down to probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of like, what's your motivation behind why you're eating that salad or why you're restricting calories there. You know, if you want just that quick fix, like you mentioned, it, that's not necessarily the healthy um, motivation to do that for, you know, more so it should be like, I want to nourish my body and I want to make sure I'm getting the nutrients I need. And if I am enjoying ice cream, that's okay too. Obviously not overdoing it all the time, but realizing like sometimes I can enjoy, you know, a dessert because I enjoy life and it, it does make me happy. Now it's a matter of like having that self-control to know when to stop, but, um, it's looking at different foods and not thinking the wrong motivations behind it. Yeah. It's a huge thing. Actually, we talk about it in dietetics. It's called finding your why. So that's just, yeah, like finding a why that's going to be sustainable for you. And it can't be something shallow in a sense, like Mm -hmm. your why can't be, I want to lose weight because I, um, want to look good next week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It has to be something deeper. And sometimes that why this is another thing is that sometimes that why like the losing weight, it could be actually that you want to feel loved and you want to feel valued. And if that's the case, or if you want to, you want to feel seen and heard, you want to have some sort of attention or whatever, if that's the case, you can actually find that in other ways than through changing your body and like hating on yourself, you know, like you can find that therapy. Um, you can find that through a good group of friends, um, you know, even poetry drawing, I don't know, self-expression of some sort, you can find it through a lot of different ways instead of instead of damaging your body by going on these yo-yo diets and not really appreciating and loving yourself and appreciating your body for what it does do for you because our bodies do a lot for us. They're actually incredible. Um, they're amazing in the way that they work and the, their ability to heal themselves. And yeah, I mean, I think we just need to appreciate that more and really take some time to just sort of appreciate it. And I'll talk from my own experience. If you do that daily and you, it's a practice, after a while, it'll just hit you one day and you're just like, whoa, like I, I appreciate all of this about myself. And I would have never thought that that was, that was even possible. Right. So, um, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's good. I, I think that if everyone can just sort of like have this pathway, especially if they're dealing with these like unhealthy and, and detrimental thoughts, which are, I empathize so much with that because it just, it sucks so much to have those thoughts running in your head all the time and controlling your mind and what you eat and what you do and what you choose to engage in. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think just shifting that can only help you in the Mm -hmm. long run. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And how common is it that people have this unhealthy mindset that we were talking about? I mean, I don't know if you know, numbers wise, but like, is it more common than we really do think? I think, I mean, I don't know statistically, but I would say that a lot of people deal with it, men and women. Um, I don't think, I think a lot of women deal with it for sure because of our societal beauty standards. Um, you know, the media infiltration, diet culture, Mm -hmm. things like that. And also your influence, like who you grew up with and, you know, did your mom have an emphasis on how you looked or what you ate or whatever? Um, did yeah. your friends? So it it does have a lot of different 
variables that could come into play. But at the end of the day, any life circumstance that you have been dealt that have negatively impact you, mm-hmm. you can unpack that and, you know, work through it through therapy, through nutrition counseling, mm-hmm. um, and become a better version of yourself in the process. So mm-hmm. I think that that at least gives some people hope, especially those who have gone through some really adverse and not so good, um, you know, life circumstances that have led them to these negative self-talks and mindsets that they're in today. Totally. And you you kind of touched base on, you know, kind of the root causes of having the unhealthy mindset. Like, for example, maybe you have a mom that really emphasizes certain things in your life. Um, What are some of the ways that an unhealthy mindset begins? Uh, What are some of the sources of that? I mean, I think it's different for everybody. Um, I think some are also more susceptible than others, uh, especially with eating disorders. There's now research saying that there's a lot of genetic variables to Mm -hmm. it. So for example, if your mom had it or if your grandma had some sort of eating disorder, you are more likely to have an eating disorder. So Mm -hmm. there's genetics, there's epigenetics, which is basically how our genes are affected in which environment that we're in. you know, there's a lot of different factors, but I I would say that the main things would be, you know, if you came from a home that emphasized that sort of things, the society that you were sort of cultured and um, influenced by, um, because a lot of times we don't even notice it because we're, we're in this little bubble of society. And then maybe we go and we move somewhere we meet new friends or something like that and we're we sort of notice that oh these people don't really empathize empathize like this or that or whatever Mm -hmm. so I I do think that it's multifaceted and it's probably different for each person but I think that the main things are like media diet culture societal beauty standards you know which society that you're currently living in and then genetics and epigenetics I I agree 100% with all those things, you know, and I feel like so, like so many of those related to, you know, the reason being behind, you know, why I wanted to look a certain way and why I had an unhealthy mindset at some point and, you know, still wrestle with it sometimes too, with food. And, and it was crazy that you bring up the genetics aspect because I was, I love the genetics aspects of everything. And I was diving into my genes the other day um, using a certain platform that I look into. And I actually came across a, an article based on you know my genetics that makes me more susceptible to having like an eating disorder. So when you said that, I was like, wow, it's funny because I just read about that. And and then you have you know the societal norms that are not necessarily norms, but society that is really pressuring women to look a certain way. And, you know, it's shifted throughout the years and it's shifting now, um, but it's always going to be something on the back of women's minds of like how to look. And then if you struggle with it, even just genetically, it's going to be even harder um, for sure. So what are some of the action steps that women or men even can take when it comes to healing from an unhealthy mindset and, and overcoming that? Because it's, it's a process and it's a journey. Um, and I'd love to hear what you have to say with that. Yeah. And I also will say with like the societal beauty norms, like you mentioned, they're ever changing, they're always evolving. And so Another thing to think about and realize when you get yourself into this trap of maybe body comparison or um, thinking of yourself negatively because you don't look like whoever you're you're thinking about in your brain, mm-hmm. just know that it is changing. So even if you are to look like that 
person, it's not going to ever be enough because it's always changing. (laughs) So it's it's, it's something to just keep in mind um, Mm -hmm. because everybody, you know, everybody falls into this like comparison trap. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, that is one action step that you can take is just gaining that self-awareness and really being honest with yourself and being honest with your thoughts. Sometimes what I like to do is um, tell my patients or clients to have a food mood journal. So that's like when you, when you're eating something, like how does it make you feel versus like, okay, how many calories are in it? Um, it's just different. It's just, okay, how is this, how is this actually making me feel in this moment? And what are the triggers that are going off for me in this moment? Um, and that can, that can give you some self-awareness if you don't have it already. Um, another thing that I like to do is I like to just journal down the thoughts that I'm having. So if they are negative, sometimes I like to just write them down and then either write on top of them or write on the other page, a positive thought that I can change that too. So mm-hmm. now every time that I have whatever thought it is, whatever negative thought it is, I have a positive or a neutral thought that I can automatically think of um, as I'm thinking that thought. So mm-hmm. it's just retraining my brain to stop thinking about that negative thought and instead change it to something positive or even something neutral. Sometimes something positive doesn't feel authentic to people. Sometimes they're like, honestly, I just, I'm never, I've always hated my arms. I'm never going to like them. I can't think of it positively. Like sometimes it is too much. And so sometimes you just have to neutralize it. So a neutralizing thought would just be like, okay, um, I, I understand and I'm aware that I don't like my arms, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I have them, or I'm just aware that like of what they do for me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes with moms, especially it can help them like, oh, I'm grateful that my arms can help me pick up my kids or different, Mm -hmm. different things that don't have to do with aesthetics. Sometimes that can help. So sort of, you know, pushing off the aesthetics and um, putting it on to something else that maybe is going to be more helpful for you. Um, So yeah, different things like that are really good action items for sure. Um, also definitely engaging in therapy can help. So if you have any trauma in the past or if you have anxiety, like doing trauma-based therapy or anxiety-based therapy, um, meditation, yoga, those types of things, just to get more mindful and to be able to really like process your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also seeing a nutrition, like doing nutrition counseling. So seeing a registered dietitian um, and doing some nutrition counseling can really help, especially if you're your negative thoughts are related on your food and body image, Mm -hmm. then I would definitely recommend a dietitian um, and a therapist if you can. Mm -hmm. Um, But if the negative thoughts are more on other things like career or finance or something like that, then maybe, you know, going to another professional that, that specializes in that would be really helpful. And Mm -hmm. it just helps to talk through it and get tools from somebody who, who's doing it, you know what I mean? And works with clients that have similar probably thoughts to you and, and has seen it work for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that can be, all those things can definitely be really helpful in order to start changing your mind and how you're thinking about different things in your life. Definitely. And there's so many aspects to it. And so, you know, it really depends on the situation. Like maybe you do need to go to therapy to work through that and talk through that. And, and oftentimes, you know, therapy gets that, you know, negative stigma of like, oh, if something's wrong with you, you go to therapy. And it's not necessarily that like you could be totally doing okay. Um, and going to therapy will just 
help you even more. And so it's just like, it's not just, you know, if you're really hardcore struggling, like therapy is a real thing that can help people process and, you know, adopt a more healthy mindset or point out areas that you had no idea you were actually struggling in, or you were unhealthy in. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's just various, various ways that you can go about it. And so I love that you brought each one of those up. Um, so stigmatizing therapy is also really important. So I'll say full, full disclosure. I have seen a therapist for many years. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like I constantly see like a therapist at some point, um, I did have a little gap in between COVID because my therapist got pregnant and now I have a therapist, but yeah. So I, I mean, and there is a huge societal stigma against it. And I mean, everyone that sees me knows that I'm a fully functioning human being, but you know, I still think that we take care of all of these things in our life, like our liver, if our liver has something wrong or we check up on it, at least we go to daily, like yearly checkups with our doctors. So why aren't we doing that with our brain health too? Because honestly, our brain and our mind is so powerful and it has so much effect on our overall body and our overall livelihood and vitality and well-being. I just think that it's very important to make sure that it is staying healthy. And like you said, even catching things that maybe you wouldn't have thought of and a third party can pick up on and bring that awareness to you so that you can change. Definitely. I'm, I'm with you right there. And like our brain is so powerful. And if you want to get healthy, oftentimes your brain has the power to keep you and prevent you from, you know, accomplishing the health goals that you're hoping to get to losing the weight, whatever that may be, um, just because it is so powerful. And so oftentimes we need to start with the root, which is our brain, um, Mm -hmm. before we even go anywhere else. And, and so it's, it's great reminders for anybody that, you know, we need to work on all aspects of our health. Yeah, I know. Definitely. Yeah. So to start to wrap things up, what are a few key takeaways that you have, Elizabeth, for listeners? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that my takeaways would be that if you're struggling with some sort of, you know, negative self-talk or any sort of negative thoughts that you're noticing in your brain, that's awesome that you're gaining that self-awareness. And I think now it's time and maybe even listening to this podcast right now is a signal um, that you should be really trying to work towards bettering that and changing your negative thoughts so that they become more positive and they come, they become more of service to you rather than not serving you and making you feel bad. And just knowing that you do have the power to change those thoughts and that it is maybe going to take time, but it's definitely worth it in the long run. So I would say set up a, a appointment with a therapist, set up an appointment with a dietitian if you are struggling with any food or body image issues. Mm-hmm. And um, also I have a free guide in my Instagram link in my bio, but I'll also give it to you to put in the show notes. And um, that's all about how to, you know, goal set and really try to learn about yourself and what barriers you have and um, ways that you can maybe overcome them. So it's a really good sort of guide to just sort of guide you through and bring that self-awareness to yourself. Like, why am I struggling with this? And just asking you some of the, some of the tough questions that maybe you haven't thought to ask yourself. So Mm -hmm. I'll give that to you. And um, 
And yeah, I would say that those are probably the main things and just keep working through it. Obviously my DMs are always open if anybody ever needs to speak about anything, um, you know, mental health related. And I'll definitely refer you to any of my colleagues and therapists that I know. Um, and I would say just keep going through it. And I think that it's awesome that people want to hear about this kind of stuff. And you're right. Like everything is, our brain really does control everything else in our lives. So if we can, if we can make it a little bit healthier, then probably everything else will have some sort of a ripple effect, which is really cool. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you for all of that as all amazing takeaways to kind of sum things up. And so leading into now the rapid fire questions, which are loads of fun, the toughest part of the show. (laughs) So the first question I have for you is who is the most influential woman in your life? And they could be past, present. Um, they can be living, um, maybe that you've never met them. Anyone's up on the table. Most influential woman in my life. Um, I would say, can I have two? Of course. (laughs) The first person that came to my mind is my mom, obviously. I think a lot of people's moms probably come to their mind. Um, All the time. My mom has a way of lightening up any mood and Mm -hmm. is just such a fun and goofy spirit. And I just love her to death. And she's just very um, resourceful. She's very strong. Um, She's not scared of anything. She's so brave. Um, and she's always, you know, always has a way to like lighten up my mood and I don't even, she's just, she's honestly great. So yeah, I would definitely say my mom is, um, someone that was really influential for me and somebody that I'm really close with. Mm -hmm. And then another random one, which I know people probably don't really know of this person, but so Shirley Temple is a like actress and um, did a lot of films back in like, I don't even know, long, long time ago. And I used to, I grew up watching Shirley Temple films like every single night in black and white, which I don't know why my mom gave them to me in black and white, but they were all in black and white. And I like redid her dances and like, you know, really like followed her and like, we like looked sort of similar. So I was like, I felt like she, I don't know, had some sort of connection through this television. (laughs) And so I would say that she also is somebody who's influential in my creative sense. Um, Just, you know, learning from her just through, (laughs) honestly, through TV and her films. Um, Yeah. So I would say those two. That is so cool. I love that. Two Mm -hmm. amazing people. I love it. (laughs) Um, And the next question is, what is your favorite food? Ooh, that's a good one. Um... (laughs) I could eat tacos basically. Okay? Yes. So I'll have to say that. Yeah. Now, are you going more of the traditional route when it comes to tacos, like corn tortilla, cilantro, onion, or are you more like classic flour? It changes, honestly. Like <laughs> sometimes I like flour tortillas. Sometimes I like corn tortillas, um, and I like all types: fish, chicken, beef, anything. Yes. Honestly, yes. yeah, but. I may be more traditional just because, mm-hmm. just because I want to pretend like I'm traditional. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> um, the next one is, are you past, present, or future thinker? Mm. I would say I'm future oriented. Mm-hmm. And it gives me a lot of anxiety because, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, where am I going to be in five years? And yep. what, what am I doing today to shape my future? And I'm like always thinking about 
how I'm going to make an impact on the world. And like I, we were even talking about earlier, like with the whole niching down, like that mm-hmm. gives me a lot of anxiety because mm-hmm. I just want to, yeah. I just want to know, you know what I mean? Like what I'm meant to do. And like, I guess my quote unquote purpose, which is going to obviously mold and change and shift, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm always thinking about like yeah. how I, what cool idea or what cool thing could I be involved in to make the world a better place? So definitely. Uh, That's, that's so cool. I I appreciate you sharing that because it's, I've experienced the same thing where it's like, what is it specifically? And so it's, it's neat that you shared that with us. Um, And then what is your favorite travel destination or a dream destination you have? Oh my gosh. (laughs) And knowing you like to travel, this is your question. (laughs) Yeah. Um, My favorite travel destination that I've been to so far is Croatia and oh my gosh me I'm, too <laughs> really okay yes. <laughs> I'm biased though because I am Croatian so my no family's way. from there yeah so I'm like I'm really biased but wow. I think it's cool mm-hmm. I love Croatian food I love Croatian culture um I like the people they're so nice yeah. uh it's it's just I love Croatia and then a dream destination I've really been wanting to go to Greece I haven't gone there yet too <laughs> I'm like, do you like know me or something? <laughs> Rebooking flights. <laughs> yes, right. Let's, let's call me after. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I've been wanting to do Greece um, and Prague, actually, because I've oh, heard that there's nice. a lot of good sightseeing. Yeah. So, um, yes. I've yeah, heard amazing things about Prague. Yeah. That's so cool. That's awesome. My fiance was there, and I have a few friends that have been there, and they're like, probably one of my favorite places, which is really cool that you bring it up, too. Um, yeah. And are you a reader? And if so, what are you reading right now? Mm, I am a reader. So I'm actually reading two books right now. I'm rereading Woman Code. It's, um, oh, yeah. Have you read it? Yeah. I basically, like I could pull it out right now if I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read it before last year, um, but I'm rereading it right now just because why not? Yeah. And, um, yeah, because I actually ha- was diagnosed with atypical PCO, so that's why I got that oh, book. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um. So some like hormonal type mm-hmm. stuff that I've had to deal with. Um. And then I'm also reading this new book, which I I've read the first few pages of it. Um. Not really that intrigued yet, but maybe it'll yeah. get better. It's called Emotional Intelligence, and it's just mm-hmm. all about like how to hone in on your emotions and your emotional intelligence. And right now it seems sort of businessy like it's talking about how like in a business setting it could help um Hmm. but I'm hoping that it gets more like introspective so we'll see cool yeah I am a reader I love reading awesome well perfect perfect we get along well then (laughs) um so amazing it's been an honor to have you Elizabeth how can listeners connect with you before we end the show yeah so I am on all the socials so I'm on Instagram um, which I, we can link it in the show notes. I have a Twitter that I periodically pop in and I have a Facebook, LinkedIn, mm-hmm. all the things, TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> all, all the things. All awesome. Things. And yes, that'll definitely be in the show notes for you. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thank well, you so much for having me. I, I appreciate it, Elizabeth. It was, this is a great topic to talk about and something that's always an ongoing topic. It's not I feel like it's never going to leave, you know, our society. So thank you for being on and bringing your knowledge. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Have a great rest of your day. You too.